Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. It's Pastor Jonathan Mason, and welcome to the pastor's office. Can you hear it in my voice? I'm a little nasally. I don't know how it happened, but I actually have a summer cold. So you know what the first thing was that I did, right? I ran into the house when I felt my throat getting scratchy, when I, you know, started coughing. Uh, I ran to the house. And I got my COVID test. I went out on the porch because I didn't want my sons to see. And I conducted the test because I just knew I had to have COVID because I never catch colds. Well, the test came back negative. Thank the Lord. I don't have COVID, but I have a summer cold. I can't even tell you the last time I had a cold. I think it probably is about six or seven years ago. I don't get sick. You know why I don't get sick? Because I got to take care of these little boys. 11 years old, 15 years old, they need their daddy to be up and running all the time. So please forgive me today if I sound a a little bit off. Uh, My voice is a little scratchy. I didn't even preach today. I had a guest preacher come in today, uh, Reverend Danielle Paul, who did an amazing job for us. Uh, And we certainly thank her for blessing Northeast Baptist Church with the gift that God gave her. But I didn't want to cancel the show because we've got some great guests that want to talk to you this afternoon. And I'm not going to keep them from you. Our first guest for the last 14 years has hosted a block party in South Philadelphia. I know about this block party, Unity in the Community. I've not had a chance to attend, but I've got members of my church that have attended. I've got friends who have attended. They bring in some great artists. They have food. They have entertainment. It is an event for the community to bring people together. But this year, the event has been canceled. And I wanted to bring the founder and organizer of the Unity and Community Block Party into the pastor's office this afternoon so he could talk to us about why he canceled the Block Party for 2022 and what his plans are going forward. Mr. Anton Moore, come on into the pastor's office. How are you this afternoon? How you doing, brother? Thank you for inviting me to your office. Can I have a seat if you mind? Come on in, Nate. Now, listen, did you grow up in the church, Anton? I grew up in the church. What, 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 what church did you grow up in, Anton? Wars Memorial AME Church. All right, so here's one thing you know. Typically when you come in the pastor's office, uh, that there's about to be a rebuke or a reprimand. You know that, right? Oh, man, you about to tell me I ain't been paying my tithing offer. 
You got it, my friend. You got it. So please, please bring us your W two. We we got to calculate that ten percent. All right. Oh man, well the man Rob got. There you go. There you go. Don't you make me start preaching up in here, man. Listen, listen, listen. First of all, congratulations on the great work you've been doing in South Philadelphia with the Unity and Community in the Community Block Party. But but this year you canceled it. Tell us why. Yeah, I can't. I can't um, because there's a lot of gun violence going on in the city of Philadelphia, specifically in South Philadelphia. And when you're doing big events, man, it takes a lot. You got to always put forth and take into consideration the safety of our people. I do a younger crowd, younger demographic, and a lot's been going on in our neighborhood with gun violence. So, you know, we, I, you know, I talk to, you know, some of my colleagues, my friends, my, my close advisors and confidants and, you know, we can't, and the young people in my group, and they said it'd be good to cancel it this year. Wow. I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment among those who've typically been a part of the event, but how did it make you feel as the founder and organizer? Oh, man. You know, the block party is my baby. You know what I mean? That's something I started off doing many years ago. So, of course, it was it was tough, and, you know, and a lot of people in the neighborhood was like, oh, man, that's what we look forward to. Like, wow, man. Like, you know, it was frustration, but... You know, the worst thing can happen is, you know, someone getting shot at the block party. And I believe every life is precious, and you want to keep everybody safe. And I looked at, you know, the pros and the cons, and the cons outweighed the pros. And I said, you know what? We're going to shelve it to next year. Now, you're a Philadelphia born and bred, and, and again, this is your passion, and we're going to talk about that uh, as we go forward here in our conversation. But did you think about maybe heightening the the security presence in order to maintain it? Was that something that crossed your mind, or was that cost prohibitive? I thought about it, but I understand that it's a strain on the police, too, as well. You get what I'm saying? Okay. So with it being a strain on the police, you know, you ask yourself, you know, you have to put your ego aside and look at what's right for the neighborhood. And what's right for the neighborhood is that everybody, you know, that I talked to was like Anton, maybe in the best interest, you know, to, um, to, to you know, to, to cancel the block party. And you said, you know what, I'm going to follow the people that's around me. You know what I mean? Because, you know, a sign of a great leader is being able to listen uh, to the concerns of the people that's around you. And I, and I followed that. Wow. Now, tell us a little bit about the history of the unity in the community block party. I want our listeners who may be in other parts of the city who may not have been exposed to it. Talk to us about some of the artists that you have and and, and what the events really look like. You know, thousands of people come. Everything is free. Moon bouncers, face painting, live entertainment, you know, media partners. We've had Meek Mill, Jasmine Sullivan, Lil Mama, Tiana Teller, Angela Simmons, PNB Rock. You know, just some of the, you know, a lot of local artists, Beanie Siegel, a lot of people coming, you know, to, to show love, but also perform for the community. Marsha Ambrosia. And what it, and how it started because I was a kid who grew up out the projects. And I always said, you know, I want to bring a concert to my community where it doesn't cost anything. Because if you look at it, the concerts in our community now, they, I mean, concerts that go on, they call hundreds of dollars. So I want to make sure that we get people, that we, I wanted to make sure that we give our community opportunity to let their hair down, enjoy themselves and have fun and, and have a good time. 
You're listening to Philly's Favorite 100.7 FM, and we're talking to the organizer and founder of South Philadelphia's Unity in the Community Block Party. They canceled this year for the first time in 14 years. We know the pandemic caused some disruptions. We get that. Don't count that. But I'm talking about in a year where it could actually happen, this event was canceled because of the high level of gun violence that is gripping our communities. Man, when you when you put the message out, Anton, that you were canceling it, how did the community respond? The community was very upset, you know. They was very upset, and they was, you know, frustrated. But it's something we had to do because, you know, the safety, the safety of the people, you know what I mean? So that's what we had to put forth. And even though people was upset, it was something that we had to do. Understood. Now, now, do you have any plans that you're going to implement or execute in place of the block party? Is there anything else that you're going to do to still reach the community and reach our children? Yes, we are going to be taking 400 kids from the community to Dorney Park for a day. There's been a lot of beef between neighborhoods, so we're going to take the younger kids so that they can get to know each other, get rid of the generational curse of people hating each other, because of the different neighborhoods, and we're going to take 15 buses down to Dorney Park, amusement park. We're going to feed the kids breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But more importantly, we're going to get the kids together to get to know each other, have a good time, and we're going to talk about violence before we get to the park. So before you, and I like to call these real talks, before you get on the bus, before you take them to have a good time, you're going to pull them together and have a real talk. Yes, we have a real talk. Talk about violence. And one of the things, one of the things I try to tell people all the time, Anton, is we have disagreements because we don't communicate. When people yep. start to communicate, you find out that they've got more in common than they thought they had, uh, and, yep. and there are more things that bring us together than divide us. Communication's yes, key, is. man. Yes, it, yes, it is. And and I think people have to understand that and put their differences aside um, and realize, you know, I mean, if we talk. And we communicate with each other. We'll understand that we, we we like each other. We want to get to know each other. You get what I'm saying? That's right. That's but right. I, I think it's key that we we you know we do that, and that's what we're looking to do on that day. And I think it's just going to be an awesome day. So talk to us now. The trip that you're doing for Dorney Park to Dorney Park. First of all, what's the date? Um, are there still other children that can get involved and be a part of this, or is this just for children from South Philly? Talk to us. Oh, so yes, we are get, you know getting kids from other areas to come, but we're focusing on the South Philadelphia area because of all the ongoing violence and stuff. So we're trying to bring those neighborhoods together. The trip is going to be August sixth, August sixth, and that's the same day we would have had our block party. So we're going to instead of you know like I said having a block party, we're going to do the trip on that day. Outstanding, man. Now, now tell me how you handle all of this activity and expense. I mean, do you get sponsors for your events? I we, mean, how can, how, can biz, how can local businesses get involved with you? We're fundraising right now, but local businesses can also get involved because it's going to be a, a, a pricey tab. We're going to be spending close to $30,000 to make this happen. When you talk about 400 kids and they need to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we're getting T-shirts for them and feeding them. You know what I mean? It becomes, you know, a big tab. But people can go onto our website, uh, unityinthecommunity215.com, and click on the donate link. They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Unity in the Community. We have a cash app, Unity 
ITC18. They can donate there. And um, anybody who's willing to donate, we, we look forward to it, man. We need all the help that we can get because we believe that this is important. Just imagine, Pastor, when a kid go back to school and a teacher asks, what did you do this summer? Going to Dorney Park may be the only thing that they was able to do. But it's not. it won't be a cost to the families or a cost for that child because we was able to make that happen. And let me paint this picture for you. A lot of the kids in our neighborhoods don't really get an opportunity to get out of their community. But we're giving them that opportunity because we want them to see more, want them to have a good time, but we also want them to practice nonviolence in our neighborhoods. I tell people all the time, that, they, and, and I don't think some people really get it, some kids don't even leave their zip code, man. Some kids don't even leave their zip code. It's one of the reasons why I started a program called Camp New Joy. I want to give these kids some new joy. And and what I did is I built a house on 23 acres in Rustburg, Virginia. Dug out the ground, also built a fishing pond, walking trails, everything. And, And my goal was to take kids from the inner city down to this rural area, a place they've never seen before, never experienced before, Put the iPads, the iPhones away, all of that, and let's just come together. You'll be able to meet men and women who look like you, come from a shared background, and you know what? We're going to help you understand you're not defined by your zip code. You're defined by your character. And and, and I want you to know something. One of the things that surprised me when I started taking kids back and forth to the property, Anton, is, is, is the fact that the ride... That six hours on the road for a lot of them was even more important to them than getting to the location. Just spending that time together. So you're about to put 400 kids on buses going to Dorney Park. Man, can I tell you how many games, how many jokes, how many many tricks are going to be played, how many friendships are going to be developed just going back and forth from the park? Yep. And that's and, and, and Pastor, that's what it's about. We gotta some people look at our community and say, How can we hustle the neighborhood? We can't look at our neighborhood as a hustle. We gotta look at how can we help our community. You get what I'm saying? That's right. Just a kind gesture like that may help some other young people to say, you know what? Somebody did this for me when I was young and I wanna I wanna pay it forward. That's right. That's right, that's right. Anton, talk to me a little bit about uh, the violence in our community. Now, because you are feet on the ground, because you are grassroots, because you are right there uh, with our young people and with our community leaders, man, what can we do to stop this violence? What can we do? We, we have to continue to be vigilant. We have to continue to be parents. We have to continue to reach out to those at-risk youth that need our help. I mean, don't get me wrong. Marching and rallying is cool. You get what I'm saying? But if we're saying that Rob is the one that's shooting, let's go engage Rob. Let's see how we can help Rob become a better person. You get what I'm saying? That's right. We can't, we can't march around people and talk around them and say, oh, you got to put the guns down. No, go to them and find out what they're going through. And when you go to them and find out what they're going through, they may open up to you and say, you know what? My father was on drugs. My mother was on drugs. I never had nobody that actually showed me love. You know what I mean? They're looking for that that unconditional and what we call that agape love. There you go. And 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 and, and that's that's that that's important. And 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 one thing we can't be judgmental about our young people because if you look at it, God looked beyond our faults 
and supplied our needs right. when we was going down the wrong direction. That's you right. know what I mean? That's right. So we have to look at those things and say, how can I help redeem and save this young person? How can, what, what can I do to invest in this young person? Yes, he may not have a father, but I am a mentor, and I'm here to be here for this young person. Amen. Amen, man. You're inspiring me to do even more than we're doing because at the end of the day, it's hand-to-hand combat out there. It really is. And what yep. I mean by hand-to-hand combat is in my mind, the way you end this violence is for folk like me and you and you and you and you and you out there listening on the station to get involved. You can't be afraid of folk uh, in your own community. <laughs> you, you, you got mm-hmm. to have the courage to go out and engage, and it's hand-to-hand combat. You know what? Mother Teresa uh, was once asked when she was in front of uh, thousands of starving children. I believe it was in India she was at that time. Actually, she was in in Africa. Uh, and they said, Mother Teresa, they said, how are you going to help all of these children? How can you do that? And she pointed at one of the children. She said, I'm going to start with that one right there. And that's, yeah. that's what we got to If we could just reach one. If we could just reach one, we're a blessing. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm enjoying our conversation. Here's what I want to do. And I don't ever do this on my show. Uh, and I don't want my Phillies' favorite listeners to let me down. Uh, you've been listening to us now for two years. So I'm asking you to do something I've never asked you to do before. Anton, very slowly, give your cash app again for this trip on August the 6th to take 400 inner-city youth to Dorney Park in lieu of the annual concert. That's what this cash app is about right now. Let's give the cash app address. So it's Unity, U-N-I-T-Y-I-T-C-18. That's Unity, U-N-I-T-Y-I-T-C-18. All right. Did everybody hear that? All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and then he's going to give it to you one more time. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to raise an offering right now. I want to raise an offering right now. I want to help Anton right now to be able to take these 400 young people to Dorney Park on August the 6th. Uh, Some of these young people have never been outside of their zip code. Some of them don't get opportunities to leave their area. I want Anton to be able to take as many buses as necessary to Dorney Park to bless these young people with an experience. So I'm going to ask you right now, do me a favor. If you're driving on the road, if you're sitting at the restaurant, if you, well, you know what black folk like to go after church. If you're over there at Golden Corral and you got your earbuds in and you're listening to the show, I need you to just pause very quickly. Pastors, if you're listening to me, and I know several of you out there are listening, pastors, stop right now. Hit your cash app. Let's bless Anton right now. Let's show him the power of our community and our unity. Give that cash app one more time. It is the cash app sign, unity, U-N-I-T-Y-I-T-C-18. All right, all right. Anton Moore, first of all, thank you for the work that you are doing thank with you, our Pastor. young people. We need we need a million more just like you uh, to continue to help reach these young people and tell them there's a different way. If we here at Philly's Favor can ever be of help to you as you are doing the work that God has anointed you to do, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're all in this together. God bless you, my brother. Thank you, man. I want to give a shout-out to my man, Brother Marcus, too. 
great guy. Brother Marcus on the in the afternoons on Philly's Favor from two to six Mondays and Fridays. Check out Brother Marcus. Hey Anton, thanks for the plug, and we'll be talking Thank to you. you real soon. God bless. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's Favor listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard about monkeypox? Have you asked yourself, what is it? Have you asked whether or not it can harm you? I know what I've asked, and I know what a lot of people I've talked to have asked. Are we about to go into another pandemic? Here's the problem. When there's no communication and education, then rumors and all types of theories go crazy. But I believe you go to the source. You go to those that have more knowledge than you in a certain area. Ask your questions and then move forward with the information that you have. That being said, I want to welcome back into the pastor's office. I believe this is a fifth time she's been with us throughout the pandemic and has always given of her time, the health commissioner of the city of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettigo. Dr. Bettigo, welcome back to the pastor's office. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I know your schedule is busy, so I always want to first say thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for always providing information to our listeners that they can use. So before we get into the monkeypox, tell us a little bit about the COVID recovery. I know that, and I got to say this, it seems like everybody around me is still getting COVID, but the good news is After five or six days, it seems to dissipate. Uh, Most of the people that I've talked to aren't going to the hospital, and it looks like the number of deaths is clearly down significantly. Talk to us a little bit about what the numbers are telling you. Yeah, so the numbers are definitely better, and a big piece of that is what you're talking about. There's a high level of immunity in the city, both because people have been vaccinated and, you know, from some residual immunity from people who have been infected, although we don't think that lasts as long. So that situation is relatively good. And we have new vaccine. We can now vaccinate kids under five, which is really exciting. I know that's something a lot of parents have waited for and also something that a lot of parents are nervous about and not sure what to do about. So, you know, the evidence looks really good for that vaccine. We're excited to be able to vaccinate the young kids, but want to make sure people are talking to their doctors, getting their questions answered. The other group I'm still worried about is our seniors who haven't gotten that first booster. And as we think about the fall and the winter ahead of us with the vaccine getting further and further away in terms of time, those are the folks who are most at risk of ending up in the hospital and even dying from COVID still. So, you know, those are the two groups we're most focused on right now are the seniors who still haven't gotten their first booster and our young kids um, who need to start their vaccination. Has the city implemented a plan to reach those seniors? Yeah, so we've been sending out reminders to people. We have, of course, the immunization registry where we know who's gotten vaccinated. So sending out text and email reminders to let people know, hey, you're due. And then also working with community partners to try to get those vaccines out. As far as we can tell, people in Philadelphia are not necessarily opposed to getting those vaccines the way they are in some of the, should we say, red states. But Mm -hmm. um It's more that they haven't gotten to it yet, which is kind of interesting and I guess maybe not that surprising. We all get busy. But this is something you can do to protect yourself that really is important. So I've had, obviously, the the two doses and a booster. 
is there any type of instruction for someone like me who's had that as to whether or not they have to go back for another booster this fall? Uh, you know, what is it that what has science told us about the efficacy of the vaccine? So people who have been boosted um, tend to do very well. If it's been more than four months since you had that first booster and you're over 50 or you have any underlying conditions, it's a good idea to go back and get a second booster. So, you know, that gives you some additional protection against hospitalization and more severe outcomes. You know, a lot of people initially, and you you remember this, we've talked about it on the show before, Dr. Bettigo, but a lot of people were concerned about the long-term side effects of the vaccine. Uh, We're a little over a year into the vaccine actually being out in the various communities. Have we seen any issues of side effects uh, that have come as a result of the vaccine? So, you know, the side effects tend to be early on. So, you know, some people get a sore arm, some people get some fever, some fatigue in the first day or two afterwards. There are these rare reports of inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, usually within the first few weeks. So that, you know, if you're months out from your vaccine and you didn't experience any side effects, there's there's really no reason to expect that you would. And And, you know, the incidence of those side effects doesn't seem to be higher with the boosters. It actually seems to be a little bit lower. So there's not a fear. And we have so much experience with these vaccines now, millions and millions, hundreds of millions really of doses given. We can really confidently say they are safe and effective. So now, as it seems like we're coming out of the COVID pandemic, there's been a lot of news about monkeypox. Dr. Bettigo, what is monkeypox? So monkeypox is a virus that belongs to a class of viruses called orthopox. This is related to cowpox and to a much more severe virus called smallpox that we've kind of remember historically. It has been very rare outside of the areas of Africa where it is what we call endemic, meaning it's it's established in animal populations there. And so it's been a problem there for many years, but, you know, hasn't been seen much outside of African countries until that 2018. There was, there was an outbreak in the early 2000s in this country, but it was short-lived. But, you know, now there's thousands of cases worldwide outside of Africa, so everyone is paying attention. We've had, that we know of, 156 cases in the U.S. across 23 states. And we just had our first case in Philadelphia and one that was diagnosed outside of the city of Philadelphia. Is that a cause for concern? So, you know, anytime we're talking about a new virus potentially um, being transmitted in the city, we're worried. This is not nearly as transmissible as, for example, COVID. So you have to be pretty close to somebody you know, either in physical contact with them, it, you know, has been spread between people who have had sexual relations with each other, but it's also been spread by close physical contact. That's not that. To spread face-to-face without touching somebody, you'd have to be near them for a period of several hours. So, you know, it's not something you're going to pass to somebody else or from somebody else passing them on the sidewalk or passing them in a store. It's, It's close contact. So that makes it you know, less concerning than something like COVID right now. And on the other hand, you know, we don't want people to catch this and it can cause uh, a rash that can be painful. It can, can leave scars. So we would really like to interrupt the transmission of this and not have this become yet another virus that is in circulation in the population. And that's, that's kind of why we've been working on getting the 
the um, information out that people who have a new rash, even if they aren't sure what it is, they should see their doctor, you know, get seen, have somebody take a look at that and just make sure that it's not monkeypox and, you know, treat it for whatever it is. You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that early in the 2000s, there was an outbreak in the United States, and it was 2003. It was about 47 cases across six states. Uh, now we know that it's, it's, it's more prevalent now in the United States. It came over from Africa. I guess the question I would ask you is, do we know how it got here? I know where it came from, but how did it get here? You know, it's hard to know exactly. I mean, probably, you know, somebody who traveled from Africa, we're a very interconnected world. So, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this before. Our our tendency as a country is to treat health problems in less affluent countries as not our problem is clearly a mistake, right? Because if you have a disease that is endemic, in Africa, there's enough travel back and forth that soon enough there will be cases here. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So did that person travel from Africa to the UK to the US? Or, you know, how did that happen? We may never have exactly the answer to that because we don't know exactly how long it might have been here. There's now some data saying it may have been circulating outside of Africa, even for a period of years in small numbers. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking to the health commissioner of the city of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettergold. Uh, Dr. Bettergold, as we talk about monkeypox, you mentioned that one of the symptoms of monkeypox is a rash. Can you talk to us about some of the other signs that our listeners should look for? Yeah, and I will say that, you know, the, the classic signs of monkeypox are not necessarily all present in the cases we're seeing in the U.S. So many people who are who are infected with monkeypox in the U.S. only have a couple of spots of the rash and may not have any other symptoms. So something that's new, you know, you'd want to get it checked out at, um, in, in terms of rashes. Classically, it has what we call a viral prodrome, which you see before many, many viruses kick in with um, fever, fatigue, aches, the lymph nodes swelling up and maybe get, getting painful, you know, those kinds of kind of vague symptoms followed by the appearance of a rash. And that rash classically can be on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, which is very, very uncommon. There's only a few rashes that do that, Um, as well as on the face, sometimes inside the mouth, on the genitals, and then it can spread over the whole body. In the U.S., it it, it is sometimes confined to one body part, and that body part might just be the genitals. So it can be very atypical um, in terms of what we're seeing in this country compared to the classic photos that you see of monkeypox um, in, say, a child in Africa, where they'll show you a rash over the entire body. Now, you know, the question everybody wants to ask is, can monkeypox kill you? So there have been fatalities from monkeypox. And, you know, among people living in Africa who don't necessarily have adequate nutrition, may not have good access to medical care, the fatality rate you know, can be up to 10% with some types of monkeypox. In this country, we have not had any fatalities. And of course, you know, we are a, a population that in general has good nutrition and we have good access in general to medical care. So it's more of a concern that this rash can be painful, that it can scar, you know, that kind of concern. Uh, and of course, that it could spread. We aren't anticipating widespread fatalities from this virus. It is something I'd be more worried about in people who have uh, weaker immune systems, you know, 
women who are pregnant or people who are pregnant, people who are on cancer chemotherapy or otherwise immunosuppressed, very young children. You know, and, and because it can be passed by touch, you could imagine it could be passed from person to person to one of those groups. So treatments and vaccines. Are there any treatments? Are there vaccines for monkeypox? So there are antivirals, although, you know, the data is mixed. Um, so generally the treatment is typically supportive, but depends on the situation. There are vaccines. Um, they have more side effects than, uh, you know, a vaccine for flu or a vaccine for COVID or measles. And so widespread vaccination of the entire population isn't something we're looking at right now. Um, you know, if, if you remember the smallpox vaccine, that's one of the vaccines that is available to prevent monkeypox. It's um, administered by what we call scarification, meaning, you, you know, you have to make a, a cut that will scar to put the vaccine in. And there can be some some other kinds of side effects that are more common than with other vaccines that we distribute widely. So the use of vaccine is typically for people who either have had a recent contact with a case, and so we're trying to prevent them from getting monkeypox, or people who are at high risk of exposure. So somebody who, for example, works in a lab and they might be doing monkeypox tests, they would get vaccinated. But we wouldn't necessarily vaccinate, you know, 350 million Americans. Understood. Well, listen, we um, we appreciate this information. And if any of our listeners want to get more information about monkeypox, where can they go? So the CDC has lots of information on their pages, and our health department also has information posted. Um, and really glad for people to um, inform themselves and, and share information with people they know. The more we know about this, the easier it is for us to protect ourselves and those around us. Dr. Cheryl Bettigold, Health Commissioner for the City of Philadelphia. We know your plate is full, and I always say this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time to inform our listeners. And if you ever need to get a message out, you know the Philly's favor is right here for you. I so appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's Favorite listeners, it's Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I want to welcome you back to the pastor's office. I am very excited to welcome on our guest. Uh, they did something very special. They created a mural honoring the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Now, you know the story. Tragically, both Kobe and Gianna were killed in a helicopter accident in California on January the 26th, 2020. I got to tell you something. seems like just yesterday that happened. As a matter of fact, it seems like just yesterday, I grew up in Abington. We were hearing about a guy not too far up the road at another high school by the name of Kobe Bryant that was going to be a world beater in basketball. He had a Hall of Fame career. He lived a Hall of Fame life full of character and integrity. And his daughter was following in his footsteps. So we've got two gentlemen that created a mural at the Tustin Recreation Center in the Oberbrook section of Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the creation of this mural. We're going to talk about what it's going to mean to the city. We're going to talk to them about how they even came up with the concept of doing uh, this mural in honor of the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. So I want to welcome into the pastor's office this beautiful Sunday afternoon, Taki Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino, gentlemen, come on in the pastor's office and take a seat. 
We are excited to have you here. Uh, I've had an opportunity to see your work. First of all, you guys are awesome artists, tremendous artists. Where'd that talent come from, guys? Uh, I think our bones, (laughs) (laughs) our family. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me how you got engaged to do this mural uh, in dedication to the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Yeah, the Mural Arts Program had something going on with with Vanessa Bryant. They had talked about doing a mural here in Philly for a while. And there was actually another artist named Ernel Martinez who designed the whole thing. And he was going to paint it, but he, he was tied up at the time when they wanted to get it done. So the Mural Arts, they called up me, Gabe Tiberino, to get together um a team who could get this knocked out in time because they wanted it done by June 14th. So I called up Taki Muhammad. He's one of the fastest painters I know. And we put a little team together with some assistance and we pretty much had everything laid out for us with the design and everything. And so, yeah, we just had to get it done in two weeks, which was like a record breaking record breaking time in for murals. We had two weeks to do it, but due to a couple of rain days, it, it was boiled down to a week and a half. But um, for some way, we, we got it finished. Yeah, last last I checked, it's pretty hard to paint in the rain, right? Absolutely. It's, it's pretty hard. I mean, there were days that we, our team, we came out there and it, and it rained on us, and we could pretty much get like a half an hour, but once it comes down, we got to stop the whole operation for the duration of the rainy time. So, Gabe, you shared that the Philadelphia Mural Arts uh, Center got in touch with you to handle this mural how did they know about your work well i've I've been working with the mural arts program for over 20 years now actually so i've been doing a lot of work probably over i've been a part of over like 50 murals around the city and i've assisted on a lot of projects i was the lead on a lot of projects so they pretty much i was i guess i was the next guy up who they knew who could handle this project Gabe is pretty modest, but, you know, that, that man just said he did over 50 murals in Philadelphia, and he, he's, he's under 40 years old. So, you know, definitely a round of applause for that. And, and listen, and not only is he modest, he said it with no voice inflection whatsoever, just like that's just <laughs> every day, run of the mill. Man, 50 murals is a lot, Gabe. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Well, yep, yeah, that's what I do. That's like my life's work, doing murals and paintings. Yeah, I've been doing this. I've been in the art life ever since I was born, pretty much. Yeah. So. Okay. Gabe and I, been, we went to school, high school together. So we, we've known each other for over 20 years, and we've done a couple projects together. Uh, even 69th Street with our Foot Locker. Gabe and I single-handedly knocked that project out in a week and a half as well. So talk to us about the mechanics of drawing a mural, painting a mural. You said that there was another artist that kind of laid it out. When you come to the project, what is it that you're presented with, and 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 how do you pull everything together? This starts off with a lead designer who creates the artwork, and that has to get approved by the uh, Vanessa Bryant's family and the Mamba Cita family. And then, um, you know, Mural Arts, uh, they also have to approve it. The city has to approve it. It has to go through a rigorous approvals so that way nobody's disrespected everything is uh, appreciated and it works for the neighborhood as well so once that's taken care of that that's sometimes that process can take months yeah i think that did actually take about like two months for them to put things together and for the design and everything then there's uh project managers who 
orchestrate the sizing and just everything that goes from the height, the width, and what's going to in placement. So there's a project manager named Phil who did an amazing job. And um, then we got to get colors and put the, the, the team together of who's the, the helpers. It's just a vigorous process that we really had to boil down in, in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of teamwork. It wasn't just us two. It takes teamwork makes the dream work. Everybody plays their part. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because I, I, I looked at it. I'm going to have you guys kind of talk a little bit about the actual design and what our listeners can see if they go over to the recreation center. But when you when you see a project of that size and scope, how many people does it take to pull that off? This project. The actual painting part, Arnell is the lead artist. So he's the lead artist, meaning that he it was his design. It, that doesn't mean he, he puts uh, the same amount of time as everyone else, but he, he's the lead artist as far as it's his design. So the second lead would be Gabe and I. So Gabe and I, we map out everything and, and paint and, and collect prints. So some of the work is printed from uh, a good friend of ours that does a, a, he does all of mural arts prints. Anybody that's getting any kind of prints in the city, he does all their prints. His name is Ben Volta, and he's a, he's just an amazing guy. So we get the prints, we we paint on top of prints. It's just so many different steps to making this this project look look the way it did. Yeah, and we also had about like four other assistants who helped us like block in a lot of space and uh, is bringing out the paints, putting the paints back in, cleaning out brushes, getting rollers, getting going to Home Depot or Lowe's to get more supplies. It's a lot of little small stuff that having these helpers and people blocking colors. It definitely helps for when we have to come in and do other artistic parts to the painting. Yeah. There's also a lot of math that goes into it. Like we have to make sure all the measurements are right. And um, yeah, I don't even think the design was the exact measurements that we needed. So we had to improvise some. Improvise, we had to add fillers. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big process, but you don't have time because you have the rain that's against you. You have the weather, you have the, the nighttime, you have the neighborhood, you have the sun. So everything is pretty much, you know, Go as you will. <laughs> and, and and I was just blown away by the Kobe and Gianna folk picture uh, in the mural. It looked like it was real life. It, it, it was, man, the detail in that picture was outstanding. Uh, Can we tell you a secret? Yeah, yeah. The last portrait that was done literally in a day and a half, two days. Wow. Six wow. people at, at one time working on that piece. Wow, wow. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking to Taki Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino. Uh, these gentlemen led the effort of creating a mural at the Tustin Recreational Center over in Overbrook, uh, the Overbrook section of Philadelphia, to commemorate the lives of Kobe and Gianna Bryan. Gentlemen, why don't you tell our listeners what they will see when they get a chance to go over to the Recreation Center in Overbrook? Well, there's a a mural surrounding the whole, there's a basketball court where they have a whole new court that was donated. Forget the name who donated, but it's a newly renovated court that's got like a rubber ground. There's new uh, basketball courts themselves, and it's a double court. So it's it's a full court, but there's two full courts. Yeah, and then the mural that we did, it wraps around the whole basketball court. How many feet square feet was that? And, you know, I don't even remember the exact size. Like over the 220, I think. About 220 square feet. 220 square square feet? Yeah, but it's really big. It wraps around <laughs> two basketball courts. And, um, yeah, the mural encloses the whole thing. And then in the mural, we have uh, 
There's a few different portraits of Kobe and Gianna. Two of them like focus on their eyes, and then there's a there's a couple portraits of them alone on different sides of the court. And then there's also the one big main feature that you probably saw that has Kobe and Gianna together, which were a lot of people were taking pictures in front of. And um, we also commemorate their uh, jersey numbers. Giannis was number two. Kobe had two numbers. He's a uh, 24 and eight. So we also incorporated those numbers. And the Mamba Sita uh, uh, camp told us that they wanted to make sure we incorporated the butterflies. Yeah, the butterflies were to represent Gianna. And uh, there's a, the different um, color schemes that, that Vanessa Bryant wanted in the murals. And we had to pretty much stick to those color schemes, the purples and yellows. and Greens, black. <laughs> and, and here's the other side of it. The Bryant family was there. Vanessa was there. Other members of his family were there for the unveiling. Guys, tell me how that made you feel. What was that experience like? Oh, that that was fantastic. That was great just to see her really enjoying the mural. And we we didn't even totally 100% expect her to be there. Like, we was told that she might come. So, yeah, that was, it was great just to see her, how happy she was. So the day before we actually finished, she actually came to get a sneak peek, and um, that was pretty cool for us, for her to see us working on it. And, and just her face and her reaction, she was absolutely blown away at the sneak peek. So that, that was the gratitude for us to see her just smile the way she did. And afterwards, I saw that she, uh, I think that she usually shows up to all the Kobe mural dedications like that they're doing around. And she also promoted it on Instagram. I got a chance to see it on her Instagram. So, guys, you, you've done an amazing work that is going to be appreciated for years and years to come. Uh, Taki Muhammad and Gabe Tiberino, listen, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. And thank you for the work that you did creating a mural at the Tustin Recreation Center in the Overbrook section of Philly. Listeners, go see this mural. It is beautiful. And especially if you're a Kobe fan, uh, grew up watching Kobe, appreciated his game, appreciated his life uh, and the life of his family, his daughter, go to the Tustin Recreation Center and see this beautiful mural created by these gentlemen. Tariq Muhammad, Gabe Tiberino, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. Thank you, Pastor. Our pleasure, man. Yes, thanks so much. Take a little time and talk now. About the state that we are living in mm. Political, spiritual, maybe some life While you are listening to Phyllis Favor yeah.